thankful to serve the Lord and sing these songs, and I hope that you have been strengthened and ministered to already. I appreciate the offertory today. That was a real blessing. I had not heard, at least that I recalled, that second chorus. And was it new to you too? Amen. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us, and that was a real, a real blessing to me. Um, you know, God, God sends burdens our way, and then he tells us to cast them upon him. And uh, he wants us to share our lives with him and his life with us. And uh, he even used the metaphor of being yoked up together, where he is pulling along with us. And so, um, as we're going to see in the text today, God never promised a, just, you know, a, a, a coast, coasting to the finish line sort of life. Um, but he did promise that he will walk with us and that we can cast our cares on him and lean on him. And, um, you know, as you keep looking to Jesus, you keep learning, you keep growing, you know. And I'm thankful for that song. John 15 is where we're going to be. And I'll share just a quick word. Uh, the last few days I've been teaching a marriage conference with Southside Baptist Church of Rock Hill. Uh, that's the church where Pastor Walters was for many years. And uh, Pastor Tyler Dono has been doing um, a great work. And he's been pastor for, I think, about two years now. And um, so it was wonderful people, and they're very kind, and we had a really good time together being able to focus on growing in marriage, and um, it, it was a blessing to me. In John 15, we're going to read verse 18 to the end of the chapter, and in this section, Jesus talks to his disciples, and he, he gives them some perspective and some warning about what life will be like when he is gone. Now, it's not only when he is gone, it's even this way currently and presently for them, and they're going to observe that. If you're able to stand with me, please stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to read John 15, verse 18, down through verse 27. And let's see what the Lord has for us in these verses. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world... The world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than his master. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But they will do all these things to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have had sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. But he who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done among them the works that no other man did, they would have not had sin. But now they have both seen and hated both me and my father. But this comes to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the father, even the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he shall testify of me. And you shall also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, and thank you for these words that you gave, and you wanted your disciples to know these things, 
And we today are your disciples, and we need to know these things as well, and to respond properly to the hatred of the world, to stand strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I ask that today that you would be exalted and that these words would be understood and believed and and cherished and then lived in our life. We love you, dear God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Going through life, we like to be welcomed. We like to be included. And uh, I think it's in every person's heart to want to be loved and accepted and included. And sometimes the hardest time to be accepted and included is when you're brand new uh, in a situation. You know, it's very hard to, uh, maybe you had to switch schools and you have your first day at your new school. Um, Maybe you moved from one neighborhood to another and now for the first time you're meeting uh, the neighborhood children or as an adult, the neighbors. And you think, oh boy, what... What kind of neighbors will these be, right? And I I, I remember one time where I went to visit another church. I think we were on vacation or traveling or something. And we stopped in at this church. And boy, I was kind of nervous. You know, I was a kid, maybe eight years old or something. And, you know, I got sent off to some class with all the other kids. And there I was all alone, you know, no family with me. No one was my age and my family. So here I am sitting in this class. And the teacher asked my name in front of the whole class. What's your name? I think I might have even said John. And they said, no, what's your full name? So I said, John Ike the Flesh. Now, if you know my last name, you know it's a tough one. And I remember one of the kids snickered and said, ha, 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 resist the flesh, resist the flesh. And, you know, I can see the humor. But me as a kid, I was just embarrassed as could be. And, boy, I felt like I was just not wanted or welcome there. And, um, you know, that, that was hard. As a Christian, we too are told that there will be people that do not like us. And that can be a very hard thing if we do not understand it and we do not prepare for it in our hearts and in our minds. Now, last week, we finished the last paragraph last week. Look at verse 17, just for the the contrast here. Verse 17 says, These things I command you, that you love one another. Jesus had told the disciples, you need to have a love for each other. A love for one another. And I think many of you were here last week to hear that. And we talked about loving each other and uh, being there for each other and caring for each other and meeting each other's needs and being connected in each other's lives. That is love. Well, he shifts from the love contrast and he talks about loving one another. And now he talks about the world hating you. If the world hates you. We see a love and a hate contrast But we also see a contrast between the categories. The categories of who he's talking about are very important to understand and to see here. The world has categories and our our culture, our society has categories that they put people into. All right. Um, Let me just share a couple that come to mind. The world puts people into the categories of people that have money and people that don't. Right. The wealthy and the non-wealthy, the poor and the rich. And they say, this is the category that matters. Um, Maybe to some degree we would say there's the category of male and female, man and woman, and you're a man in this world or you're a woman in this world. Maybe there's the category, uh, we hear a lot on the news, of uh, conservative versus liberal or Republican versus Democrat. And these different categories or um, allegiances or identities that people have. But Jesus uses two categories as well 
And his category is far, far more important than these others. His category is this. The one another and the world. The one another and the world. Now the one another are those who are his people. Those who have been born again. Those who are his children. One another. Those who are brothers and sisters in Christ through salvation, through the gift of the gospel, by saving faith, the Bible says that we enter into the body of Christ and to the kingdom of God and we become a part of His people. We're the Lord's. In contrast to that, he talks about the world. The world. And the world is not a reference to the globe or to the earth as much as to those who are in this world and they are not the people of God. They are not the children of God by faith. They are not in the kingdom of God. Sometimes he also uses the terms darkness and light. And he says, children of light, children of the darkness. And so these are the two categories he's referencing. And he says, love one another. If you are my child, you are to love the children of God, love each other. But then he turns his focus away from that. And now he prepares his disciples to be hated. To be hated. Now, uh, I think he's calling them to prepare themselves in mind and in heart and in spirit. To be hated is a difficult thing. It is not fun to be hated. It um, can cause people to do things they wouldn't ordinarily do, whether good or evil sometimes, whether positive or negative. But these two groups are very important. Um, think, of, think of this uh, a little bit. John 10, 4 speaks of Jesus taking out his own sheep. And he, he uses the words, um, he, he says it like this, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And I don't know if you remember this, but when I was explaining the Good Shepherd, I explained that we walk where the shepherd has walked. And that's supposed to encourage us and strengthen us because everywhere we have gone, he has already been. Well, what he says here, read verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So we serve a Savior who is hated, and the world hated Him when He was here, and now we walk in His footsteps, we walk in His truth, we've embraced His message, and He says, well, just know, they hated me, so the world is going to hate you. And He says, you're walking where I walked, and you're experiencing what I experienced. Let's, let's think for a minute about who it was that hated Jesus. Now, we would not say that every individual that met Jesus hated him, right? We wouldn't say that. We wouldn't say that every specific individual. Jesus is speaking in categories, and he's saying, the world hated me, the world's going to hate you. Well, let's think of this. The Jewish people hated him, but especially it was the Jewish leaders. It was the power people. It was the religious uh, hypocrites and the, the high priest and the Pharisees and and what we see here is that Jesus, Jesus is lumping these people in under that category, the world. You know? And, and uh, at this time, it's just the disciples and Jesus. And I think by this time, they figured out they are not the people of Jesus. They are not, uh, you know, someone to, to follow, that sort of thing. But for us, it's very helpful to see that Jesus includes even some religious people under this category of the world. The Jewish power people hated Jesus. The Romans hated him from the angle of his influence upon people. The Romans wanted their power. And when Pilate 
and Herod were, uh, Jesus was brought before Pilate and Herod, they had to choose their loyalty, right? Be loyal to Caesar or to embrace Christ. And they chose to be loyal to Caesar and showed hatred towards Christ. My point in all of this is simply this. You may not get hatred from every specific individual that you meet in this world. That's not the teaching here. The teaching is that as a whole, as a whole, the world does not like Jesus. They are a different purpose. They're the children of darkness. So there is this force of light and darkness at battle. And because we are the Lord's, because we are Christ, the world does not love us. And we're going to see here in these next few verses three reasons that the world hates Christians. We see this in early Christianity. They first faced persecution from the Jews, from the pagans, from the Romans, and um, all together, conglomerately, they are the world that's being talked about here. Jesus is trying to prepare his children for this hatred. And we should not be shocked when the world hates us. And sometimes it's not specifically, you know, hating every single thing we do, but sometimes they hate the things we believe because the Bible teaches them. And there are certain things the Bible teaches are sin that in our present day the world is saying, oh no, that's fine, that's fine. And, um, you know, uh, homosexuality and transgenderism and abortion and even things like when the Christian, you know, stands against materialism and greed and um, various aspects of our society, people hear that we don't believe that and they instantly push back. They have a hatred towards that, towards that teaching and, and then an extension towards us. But he tries to prepare them. Hey, they hated me before they hated you. You are my child. You're in my kingdom. So they're going to hate you also. We shouldn't be shocked when the world hates us. Three reasons that the world hates Christians. And let's get started here in verse 19. And this is the first reason. Verse 19 says this. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So Jesus gives the first reason that the world hates Christians. And the first reason that I see in the passage is found in, in verse 19. And it's simply this. They don't own you. They don't own you. He, he tells his disciples, he says, you know, the reason that they don't love you and they hate you instead is because you are not of the world. Now, when we use this phrase of the world, it's kind of this idea of you're not from the world or you are not based out of this world. You don't have the heart of this world. And as a Christian, we certainly don't have perfect hearts and, and things all perfectly put together, but we do have a, a, a heart that knows Christ. We have a heart that has been forgiven by Christ and because of that, and because we love Jesus, the world pushes back and says, why aren't you like us? You need to be like everyone else. You need to agree with the things that we're doing and, and have the same heart and the same mindset as us. I, I remember talking to a new believer once about this, and they were explaining to me some things, and they said, you know, they said, I don't, I don't drink anymore, and some of my friends, they don't, they don't like that. They don't like that. And you know, let me just pause and ask a question. Doesn't a certain part of the world kind of teach that we should all be tolerant one of another? 
Well, yeah, they, they teach tolerance, and there's a good and a bad tolerance, but we don't want to tolerate evil, but we want to be respectful to people and all of that. But it's interesting how here's a person that's decided they're not going to drink anymore, and yet there's other people pressuring them and pushing them to drink. Now, why is that? Well, a little bit later, we're going to see that when a Christian walks with God, it, it can be convicting to those who are in sin. But for this point, we'll just put it this way, that the world doesn't own that person anymore. The world doesn't call the shots in their heart anymore. And because they've found Christ, you know what they have? They have a new master. They have a new Lord. They have someone that's in charge. And certainly we don't obey the Lord perfectly, but, but the world can see that, wow, they're marching to the beat of a different drum. They're, they're living for Jesus now. And, um, and here am I, and look at them, and we're not the same. We're not in the same category. The world can't control them like they used to. You know those people who are drinking and they don't, they, it's not enough for them just to say, oh, okay, you don't want to drink. But they want them to drink so that they're all drinking together, you know, and that, that they feel kind of uh, affirmed in their own drinking, right? And that uh, drinking isn't that big a deal and, and so on. And, and it sets up a, a situation where you have this question, can two walk together except they be agreed, Right? And so the world does not like this idea that they've lost that hold and that they're not under that same power as, as, as they used to be. And, um, and this can apply to much more than just drinking. I mean, you think of, of going to church and, and giving to the church and the world says, my goodness, you give your money to the church and you go to church and why do you do all that church stuff? Um, don't you have anything better to do with your time and your money and all those sort of things? And the Christian says, my goodness, I wish I could give more to the Lord. I wish I could go to church more. And, and, and the world just says, well, that's crazy. That's, that's strange. And clearly the Christian is now under the influence of another. And the world is under the influence of Satan and of sin and of the lifestyle that they have. And Jesus warns his disciples. He says, look, the world's going to hate you because they don't own you. Because they lo no longer have this influence and power and authority over you. That's why the Christian is warned, love not the world, right? And the Christian is told to align their heart with the reality that they are now the Lord's and to live that out in fullness. And so the world hates Christians because they do not own Christians. In verse 20, he continues on here in verse 20 and 21, and the second reason that the world hates Christians is simply this. It's that they don't like Jesus. They don't like Jesus. We see this in verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than his master. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Now, verse 21 says, but they will do all these things to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. We see here that the second reason the world hates Christians is because they don't like Jesus. Now, let me be clear here is that there are some people who have a, a made up Jesus that affirms everything they do. You know, oh, I know Jesus and he has no problems with me whatsoever. Everything that I do, he likes. And uh, he approves of everything I do. And what they've done is they've kind of created this fictional Jesus that just pats them on the head and says, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, that's not the Jesus of the Bible, is it? And when a person who has this idea of Jesus meets the Jesus of the Bible, 
They're like, oh, no, that's not who Jesus is. No, not at all. Jesus loves everyone, and everyone can do whatever, and, and Jesus just welcomes everyone and affirms everyone. And what they have is they've made a God in their own image. They've made a false image. And when they see the real Jesus, guess what? They don't like that Jesus. What this means is the world does not like Jesus. Now, if you find a person in the world who embraces the Jesus of the Bible and believes the Jesus of the Bible and has received the Christ of the Bible, guess what? They're no longer of the world. They're Christ. And so this is, this is the second reason that the world hates Christians. They don't like Jesus. Look at, how he, look at how Jesus explains it in verse 20. First, he starts off with saying, the servant is not greater than his Lord. And so Jesus reminds him, just like I said to you earlier, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Now, do you remember, does anyone remember what chapter that that was in? You say, Pastor John, now you're getting specific. It was, it was the night of his betrayal, right? It was actually two chapters back, John 13. And Jesus said, the servant is not greater than his Lord. And he applied it in the context of serving others, right? I have washed your feet, so you should wash other people's feet because the servant is not greater than his Lord. Well, now he's taking the same statement, but he's applying it differently. And he's using it this way. The servant is not greater than his Lord. So if the world has hated me, and I'm the master, and you're the servants, then the world will hate you as the servant also because the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have done it to me, they will do it to you. Um, because I am the greater and they have hated me, they will certainly hate the lesser, that is the servant. But then he goes on to, to specifically give instances of how this plays out. If they have persecuted me, quick question, did they persecute Jesus? Yes, they did. What are, what are a couple ways that they persecuted Jesus? Let's think of that. Well, um, there's one time where they tried to throw him off a cliff, right? Do you remember that? Um, certainly they tried to persecute Jesus from the angle of they tried to trap him publicly and embarrass him and make him look like he didn't know what he was talking about. Um, there's other ways that they persecuted Jesus. Do you remember how um, when it came to Judas betraying him, how they surrounded him with swords and with a small little army there and came and then certainly we know with the crucifixion, the persecution that came there. And there's other examples. But he says, if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. They did persecute Jesus, then they will persecute you. The next phrase, he kind of uses the opposite angle. He then says, if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Did the world keep Jesus' saying? Absolutely not. <laughs> they, they said, oh, that's not true, and... Uh, we don't believe you, and you're born of a fornication, you're not born of a virgin, you're, you're just like we are. And they had all sorts of things, but they did not believe what he said. They didn't listen to what he said. So what he's saying is, guess what? They didn't listen to me, they're not going to listen to you either. So this is the, the parallel. And then in verse 21, he says, because they will do all these things to you. So the way I was treated is the way you will be treated. Christian, can I just remind us of something? This world is opposed to Christ. They're opposed to his word. They're opposed to his truth. And therefore, we need to expect and prepare and know that they will be opposed to us and to the truth that we hold and to the Bible that we preach and to the truth that we hold dear. They will push back. And sometimes we can get a mentality or an attitude that says, well, I just don't want anyone to hate me. 
and I don't want to be opposed to anyone or opposed to anything, so this just isn't fair, or it's not right that they should hate me. Well, it's not right. You're correct about that. It's not right. But if Jesus walked this path, can we rightfully say that we should not walk this path? We are his disciples. We are his servants. And so if the world hates Jesus, then the world will hate us. And we must not run away from that. We must not act as though that this will not be the case. It will be the case. And Jesus has laid it forth. He told these disciples, look, the world is going to hate you. And you know, as I read and I study and I learn about these men and I see what they did and others who, who followed along with them, you look at Peter. The, the, you know what the, the history tells us about Peter? That Peter was crucified as Jesus was crucified. But this time, Peter, Peter asked to be crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to be crucified in the same way as the Lord Jesus. That's what history tells us. But to think of, and, and actually, the fact that he was crucified is not just from history. John 21 makes it clear that Peter would be crucified. So that, that part of it is Bible. The upside down part is from history. But my point is this. Jesus was crucified, and Peter was crucified. You say, is that what God's going to call me to? Well, probably not. I don't, I don't know. I can't prove the future. But Jesus was hated, and Peter was hated, and Peter walked in that path. He didn't run from it. There's other examples of people in church history. There's one man, and I, I forget his name. Uh, forgive me for forgetting his name, but one of the letters that we were studying in the, um, in the New Testament, I believe it was maybe Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, where he was being hauled off to be, cruci- uh, to be executed in Rome. And this was, it was a time of persecution. And you know the, the, that history says that the members of this church went down to meet him on the road as he was being carried by by the soldiers. And they said to him, we pray for you. Maintain your love for Jesus. Do not recant. And they encouraged this brother to walk forward in the path of following Christ no matter what the cost. And And for us today, we are not often in America persecuted in this sort of way. That's not the manner that we are persecuted in. But sometimes in our culture and in our present circumstance, it is more a social stigma or it is a looking down upon or it is a, I will not be your friend anymore because you follow that Jesus guy. And as Christians, we must not run away from that. We must not say, oh, I don't deserve such a treatment. Oh, you know, um, I must fight back at these people. Well, That's not how Jesus responded. Jesus told us to love our enemies. But he also said, taught us not to run away from the truth. And here he warns his disciples and he he prepares them. They didn't like me. They will not like you. And John uh, 15 verse 20 and begins with the word remember. Remember, remember. Remember what I taught you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. And as we forget that, We sometimes don't handle the hatred of the world correctly or very well. Moving on, verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have had sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me also hates my father. The third reason that the world hates Christians is that they don't like holiness. From verse 22 to 24, and really, we, we actually would include verse 25 with this uh, point. They don't like holiness. And 
he, he uses a, a, an interesting line. He says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have had sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. So Jesus is not teaching that these people were perfect until he showed up and talked to them. He doesn't mean that they wouldn't have sinned. But I believe what he is referencing is that they would not have had that full awareness or that sensitivity to their sin. And there is a sense that some people live in a blindness and a darkness where they don't even you know, really process that, that certain things are sin. Now, to some degree, everyone knows some general right and wrong. But Jesus, what he's saying is he says, I showed up. I told them the truth. I pointed out the reality of what was. And all of a sudden, their sin was on display. I mean, you take the Pharisees, you look at them and their hypocrisy and things. Jesus spoke the truth, and all of a sudden, their sin was on display for everyone else. And they didn't like that. They didn't like that at all. And when a Christian simply lives for the Lord, you know, you don't have to have a holier than thou. You don't have a condemnatory spirit of, I'm not as awful a person as you, and, uh, you know, I'm better than you. That's not what Jesus is talking about. But if you simply do right, if you simply say, you know, I don't, uh, I don't drink, so I'm not going to sit with you at the bar, or, you know, I don't laugh at, uh, I don't laugh at um, off-color jokes or racist jokes, I don't, I don't laugh at those, right? Um, the world's kind of like, oh, well, like, what's with you, you know, you've got a two-shoes. Well, that's what Jesus is talking about. He says, if I hadn't come and I hadn't spoken up, then they wouldn't have had this, this awareness of their sin. But now they hate me because their sin is, is on display, and they know their sin now, and and it's kind of aware to them. It's in their face. This is similar to what we read in John chapter 3. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. See, that's this idea here. Jesus is saying, I came, I spoke, and now they have sin. They have an awareness of their sin. They have an obvious um, on-display uh, picture of their sin. And so they hate me. Back to the example earlier about the uh, new Christian that said they weren't going to drink anymore. Those other drinkers who were with them were pressuring them to drink because someone saying I don't drink makes them feel bad about drinking right and there's an awareness that oh uh, maybe this isn't okay maybe I shouldn't be doing it they're not they're they're not doing this maybe I shouldn't be doing this right and this can apply to all sorts of topics you know I actually don't watch movies that show things like that on the screen oh well you're trying to say I shouldn't wa watch things that have that sort of thing on the screen well in a way you kind of are aren't you you're kind of saying that God's word says that we shouldn't do that. And because God's word says it, then that applies to you too. And people don't like that. They don't like being told that they're sinners. It brings them under conviction. It makes them consider, maybe I'm doing wrong. Maybe I'm sinning. And so Jesus says, look, the world is going to hate you when their sin is exposed. Verse 25, but this comes to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. So he's, he's going to explain and he says the, the scripture is actually being fulfilled right now. These people hated me, but they didn't have a cause. That is a just reason, an honest, accurate reason for hating Jesus. They didn't have 
a reason. They didn't have a cause. All of their reasonings were wrong. But I want you to see the contrast. And this is where I want to park as we shift here. And that is this. Some Christians today run from the hatred of the world. They pull back into silence. They pull away and sometimes they have this attitude of, well, I'm just going to kind of live over here in my little corner. I'm not going to say anything, not going to do anything, not going to go anywhere because the world hates Jesus and I'm a Christian, so I'm just going to be quiet over here in my corner. Is that what God has called us to do? Absolutely not. He actually told us to love our enemies. And if we're to do that, then, you know, is it possible to love your enemies without ever being around them or talking to them or doing anything for them? I think you have to kind of be around them somewhat to love your enemies, right? Jesus told us that, that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. In other words, we live here where we live. We are not to be extracted out of this world, at least not yet, but we are not to be of the spirit of this world and to be under the influence of this world. And so he talks to them. He shifts right now to the Holy Spirit. But when the Comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, even, notice this, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. So he says, but listen, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and when he comes, he will speak of me, he will testify of me. And that sounds good and well, but that doesn't really address the disciples themselves. It's just saying the Holy Spirit will do this. But notice the rest of the passage, verse 27. And you also shall bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit is going to keep talking. He's going to talk about Jesus. And then he says, and you are going to keep talking. And you're going to talk about Jesus. See, the world through their hatred wants to push us to silence. But God says, no, I have given you my Holy Spirit and he is going to speak of me and you are going to speak of me. You know how this works together? The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We have a abiding relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so God's Spirit speaks and we speak and we talk about Jesus. We, he says, you shall testify of me. Now the word testify kind of has this idea of like in court, like a witness giving a report saying, I saw this, right? I saw this happen. He's the one that did it. He did it to him. And uh, he's the guilty one, right? Now, not in a really technical sense, but that's the, how it was used to testify, to give a report. And as Christians, God has called us to testify. In a world that hates Jesus, you know what we're supposed to do? Talk about Jesus. Yeah. Well, doesn't, might that be dangerous? Yeah. Sometimes it might be dangerous. Might it be uncomfortable? Yep, sometimes it might be uncomfortable. But he says, I've given you the Holy Spirit. And so we have a world of hate, and then we have Christians who have the Holy Spirit of God. And I want to ask you a question. Who is more powerful? The Holy Spirit is more powerful than the world. And the Holy Spirit is more powerful than hatred. And we as Christians, we stand and we say, I love Jesus. He saved me. He forgave my sins. This is what He did for me. He changed my life. He gave me a heart that, that loves Him. And he's, for, he's a forgiving God. And if you would, if you would um, see your sin and, and, and be sorry for your sin and you look to Christ to forgive you of your sin, you could be saved too. And you know what's taking place? What's taking place is exactly what Christ has predicted would take place. The world hates Jesus, and so the world's going to hate you. But I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And he's going to speak about me. 
and you're going to speak about me. And you let the results of that hatred, you let that up to me. Because, you know, we sometimes talk a lot about, we, we uphold these people that gave their life for Christ, as well we should. And even today, there are people that give their life for Christ. They love Jesus, they speak of Jesus, and they lose their life for his sake. But you know there's a lot of other stories of, of people who are hated for Christ, and their stories of victory and overcoming, and people being saved and coming to faith, and that hatred being melted as they look at someone that loves Jesus like this. And this is the overcoming power of the gospel. This is the power of God at work. That in the world of hatred, we can look back with love. And in a world that hates the truth, we can speak the truth anyway. And in a world that says, you're wrong, we simply say, I am a sinner, but he is right. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And what we see in this passage is Jesus is showing the Holy Spirit is vital to overcoming the hatred of the world. We don't have to live in a spirit or attitude that is beaten down or overcome or shut down because the world hates believers. We don't have to live that way. We have the Spirit of God living within us and He's speaking of Christ. And He's calling us to speak along with Him, to speak forth. So Christian, can I urge you to have some holy confidence some confidence that comes from God Almighty that says, I will speak for Jesus. I know certain people are a little more timid by nature. Timothy in the scripture is, is one of those, right? Um, numerous times it kind of says that he was a fearful person. And, and Paul said to him, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And you know what I would urge you to do? I would urge you in the morning to pray this prayer. Lord, Lord, that is Holy Spirit, God within me. Holy Spirit, as you speak, may I speak. As you lead, may I follow. You speak of Christ, may I speak of Christ. Because we are his vessels. The Holy Spirit is within us. And in the face of hatred and pushback and these other things, if we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can just speak the truth and maintain a loving demeanor towards those who hate us, you know what it will be? it will be a powerful display of the gospel and of our God at work in our world today. You know, the world, honestly, they do hate the believer, but the world at the same time, in a crazy sort of way, is looking for love. The world knows something's wrong. That's one of my starting points with the gospel of people. Is, is the world working the way it's supposed to? Most people are like, mm -mm. I mean, unless you're like a five-year-old, okay? No, something, something's wrong. Yes, something's wrong. That's right, something's wrong. And in a world that is looking for love, may we be those people through the power of the Holy Spirit that can love others in the face of their hate and that can speak the truth with gracious confidence when they're seeking to, to shut us down and to make us be quiet. I'm so thankful that God's given us the Holy Spirit because we're, we're weak sometimes in the face of this hatred. We're weak. But he says, prepare yourself Understand this truth. You are mine. In Christ, you are here, taken out of the world. There's the world. They're all around you. They hate you, but you have the Holy Spirit. You have a word for Christ. And don't let that hate overcome you. Don't let it call the shot. You are the Lord's. Look to Him. Let His love overcome this world of hate. Let's bow in prayer together. I don't know how God has spoken to your heart during this message. Maybe He's called you 
to being a more confident, spoken, outspoken Christian in a world of hate. If that's what he's called you to do, let me just urge you to respond to him. Maybe confess uh, letting into that fear and, and that hatred and letting that kind of run your heart. Confess that to the Lord and then turn in faith to him and embrace the teaching of what has been laid out that the Holy Spirit within us wants to speak of Jesus and we should speak of him too. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm, I'm in the world or if I'm in Christ, if I'm, uh, I'm not sure which kingdom I'm a part of. Well, we want to help you know through the scripture that you are the Lord's, that you're forgiven, that you are his child, and that you've been taken from death to life, from darkness to light. If you have that need, please let us know. Uh, we want you to know for sure that you are the Lord's. We have a, a card, and you can jot a response there that you have questions. You can do it that way. You can seek me out after the service. I hope you'll respond however God has spoken to you. Dear God, we turn to you in prayer at this moment. We thank you for the words that you gave us and, and you gave your disciples. You tried to prepare us and to, to forewarn us that the world hates Christians and it hates you most of all. And I ask, dear Lord, that this fact, this reality would not move us from the truth that we are to be witnesses. We are to speak for Christ, speaking words of truth, speaking words of love, letting your love shine right back at those who hate us. Give us this power, Lord. Give us this heart and this awareness. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful that in you we have what we need. And one day you will take us out of this world of hate into a world of where all is well, where we are with you and, and as eternity unfolds, we will just rejoice in you. But for this hour, for this time, for this day, we walk right here in this world. And may we do so in your footsteps. May we do so proudly embracing the title Christian, a follower of Christ. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet.